Hello and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. I'm joined by Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. We're recording on the 22nd floor of the Pan Pacific in Singapore. We've just concluded Cargo Facts Asia. Jeff, we're joined today by two excellent guests and co-hosts and members of our CargoFax consulting team. I'll leave it to you to introduce them. Sure. We have Guillermo Chobo, Director of CargoFax Consulting, and of course, Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant at CargoFax Consulting. Um, well, Guillermo and Jim, just a uh, quick thoughts, um, initial thoughts on what went down here in Singapore and the you know, general feeling of the conference and the industry in the Asia-Pacific region. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that stood out, um, it's been four years since we were in Shanghai, and uh, I must admit to having some questions about the, uh, the first installment after the uh, pandemic, particularly the beginning of the year when China uh, had some pretty draconian lockdowns. I'd say there was a lot of energy there was more uh, positive uh, expressions regarding traffic in the future than I expected. Um, I thought it was especially interesting. Uh, um, the, uh, the content I thought was substantive. Um, uh, I, I was uh, uh, pleasantly surprised, I have to say, about the overall uh, panels, the, uh, the people that uh, attended, the attendance was strong. Um, so I would come away with a, a very a positive evaluation of the, the overall event, uh, exceeding my expectations um, by quite a bit. So um, I would add that uh, this was the perfect time to um, do this conference here in Asia. We've seen other regions of the world uh, recovering faster uh, from uh, the pandemic, and it seems like uh, this is the year for uh, recovery in Asia. With uh, the end of um, COVID lockdowns in in the uh, region, and uh, especially around China, we have a lot of uh, opportunities. We've seen uh, some developments from uh, some of the Asian carriers over the last few months and um, a lot of the uh, operators and uh, speakers, um, co different companies in, in the region were able to share the latest trends and, and developments. So overall, a great, great uh, conference and we were very happy to host these in, in Singapore. Now Guillermo, you bring up um, the reopening of uh, the Asia Pacific region. Um, and this is uh, breaking down this region's, um, separating it from other regions throughout the world, which may be facing some type of stagnation. Um, Asia is growing quite precipitously. Um, and you um, uh, unveiled a, your our most recent freighter forecast. Um, you ag agree with that conclusion that Asia is still growing? Uh, uh, I would agree with that, Andrew. Um, uh, when we think of Asia, um, Asia is still the largest uh, region in the world when it comes to uh, air traffic. Um, so Asia is, is a number one up there, followed by uh, North America. So any impact to the uh, Asian air cargo industry is an impact to the 
rest of the industry at a global scale. So I would agree that uh, again, these this recovery we were we were very much looking forward to it um, over the past um, few years. And um, yes, the freighter forecast that we just um, released and, and launched uh, today uh, was uh, a great complement to um, some of the discussions that we've had over the last uh, couple of days uh, in terms of the of the recovery in the region, as well as uh, the bright outlook for freighter growth, not only in Asia, but all uh, over the world. And going on the topic of growth, I want to talk to, uh, to everyone here um, about a theme that I saw in this conference. I've heard it a lot in other conferences, and that is um, a, a question of do we have an oversupply or an undersupply of freighters? What do you all think about that discussion? I think uh, the answer is yes, because you have to uh, determine what... Uh, size, category, and segment you're talking about. And I think the conclusion was um, that there's a, a, a pot slight potential oversupply on the narrow body side, <clears throat> particularly 37800s to some degree. Uh, but I heard more positive comments about some of the emerging carriers uh, taking up some of that extra supply. On the wide body side, I heard just the opposite. There, there might be actually considering the age and the retirements um, a, a need for uh, more wide body uh, freighter capacity. So uh, I think you have to be more specific about what um, segment, region uh, you're talking about when you look at uh, capacity. Jeff, you moderated the uh, Lessor panel and there was great conversation um, about capacity um, and whether there would be an oversupply or shortage um, wherein. Um, what were your thoughts on that panel? So I thought, um, yeah, on the theme of uh, um, overcapacity and just, um, you know, the new generation of narrow body freighters, it's interesting because, um, and this isn't the first time we've heard this, but um, my panelists um, said that uh, well, ATSG and SC Engineering, both of which are entering the A321 freighter space, um, they have, I mean, they have slots lined up um, and conversions lined up for the next couple of years and um, n not necessarily um, the, the customers for all of those airplanes, but they're very happy just to put them through conversion and it, it sounds like um, they are confident that they'll get, they'll find homes for those aircraft um, by the time they come out of conversion. Um, and this um, is, for the A321 at least, um, that's, we seem to be seeing less of a problem um, with overcapacity uh, or oversupply um, because, of course, with the 737-800, um, we saw the same thing, uh, but in larger numbers. So, um, you know, I remember talking to um, Aero Capital Solutions um, last year or, and the year before. Um, they are, you know, the biggest um, customer for AEI's 737-800SF. And they're, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they just keep signing up for more and more slots, um, partly just to get their foot in the door. And so they have, um, you know, they're the first port of call for, for any um, airlines looking to add the 737-800. Um, so they're, yeah, they're happy just to take um, kind of these speculative uh, positions on 
these conversions. And so um, on the A321, because the conversion um, output is much lower than the 737NGs, um, that's, that's, you know, that, that's less of a problem. Plus, the conversion turnaround time is still um, not the same as the 737-800. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's, I think it, it bodes well for um, the A321 freighters, um, and we will certainly see more um, operators um, starting to, to operate the type. Um, what I'm interested in is seeing what, um, what new carriers are going to select that type here in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, and, you know, we know of a few that are coming in the very, very short term. Now, Jeff, you bring up the A321, um, and there was a lot of conversation on that type as well as the 737-800, and I heard a lot of different opinions um, in the various sessions. I want to bring um, Jim Guillermo in on this conversation. Um, my impression was that um, there wasn't a, a solid pick um, uh, between the two. Would, would you all agree or disagree with I think the 37800 has a timing advantage. It's a solid airplane. It's very robust. It can take a beating. It's very reliable. Um, and I heard some of the customers, some of the operators, um, uh, talk about those attributes and um, express some hesitation about the A321. But I heard just the opposite from other operators, that the A321 was a particularly advantageous uh, growth replacement for the uh, not just the 7.5, but even the, uh, the classics. So, yeah, I think you're right that there was uh, some diversity of opinion, and I guess it just depends on who you were listening to. So, Andrea, I would like to add that I feel like the last two years, everything was about the 737-800. Um, now, we, we started seeing some of the A321s getting uh, re-delivered um, last year, and um, I had the, um, the chance to, um, to moderate a, a panel with three speakers that, um, that uh, belong to companies that are now operating this type, the A321. Uh, one being Teleport here in, in Southeast Asia, one being uh, Qantas Airways uh, down in Australia, and the other one being Indigo um, in India. So what, 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 we, what we learned and what we saw um, in, these, um, in this panel was how the aircraft was perfect for these different type of operations, not only in Asia, but also in the Indian subcontinent and um, Australia. I feel like uh, we are going to start hearing more about the A321. Uh, it's gaining uh, popularity. Uh, we're gonna see uh, more operators um, turning to that aircraft, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see um, a little bit more um, on, on what's gonna happen and what are going to be the decision points uh, or the, the key decision factors for an operator when they have to pick between the Boeing platform and the Airbus platform. I would agree with Jim that uh, the Boeing, uh, the 737-800, um, had an advantage, a timing advantage over the last couple of years. Um, the A321 uh, seemed to um, show some really good benefits. Um, it's a larger uh, platform. And um, also on the sustainability uh, side, um, we got a lot of really good feedback from uh, the operators and, and the speakers in, in my panel. 
Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, you mentioned Qantas, and actually that's a very good example, isn't it? Because they are replacing their classics with A321s, and not just replacing, they're growing uh, quite substantially um, with A321 platform. And this also um, reminds me of what uh, BK Tan on my panel um, said at BK Tan at ST Engineering um, about the the prospects of upselling um, the A321 to existing 737 operators. Uh, which, uh, that, uh, to me, that was a very interesting point, um, and it, it seems to be working. Um, maybe not across the board, but I'm sure we'll see more of that um, as we go on. Well, I, find if you, if you kind of, I kind of feel like Boeing is, is shortchanged on the comparison between the A321 and the 737-800. I mean, I'd think that the A321 um, would be more comparable to a 757, um, if anything, and so, uh, so you're looking at aircraft of diff- sizably different um, yeah. margins. What, wh- why do we end up in this in, in this situation where we're comparing both the seven three well, and the eight? part of that? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Gilbert, but that's partly because of the nature of the industry and how how sh- many shipments are changing. You know, with volume, bigger volumes. Um, it just the larger volume of the A three twenty one just just works uh, better for for some operators, right? Right. So um, when we think of uh, the the latest demand uh, factors for air cargo, one of them uh, being e commerce, we're looking at volumetric uh, packages, so a lightweight but a very high volume. So when you have um, you know a, a platform, an aircraft like the A three twenty one that would be able to carry. Uh, more uh, volume, not necessarily a higher weight, but more volume, that's something that uh, Express and e-commerce um, focused operators would probably go for. When it comes to the size, um, I feel like the A321 is is somewhere in between the 757 and the 737. Um, and, and I guess, you know, it depends on what type of operations um, you're looking to run um, and uh, frequencies, uh, cycles. And also uh, something that I would add here is uh, the 757 is still uh, very popular. Now, we are going to start seeing some replacements, uh, some replace, replacements of these aircraft over the next uh, few years. But um, the question is, um, will the A321 be able to, to replace these aircraft and, and, and what's going to be, what, what is that going to look like? Um, is, is, the, is the A321 the natural replacement of, of the 757 or will operators go for a larger uh, platform? That's another question um, that I posed to the uh, audience uh, this morning during the, the freighter forecast uh, presentation. Let me uh, suggest, too, uh, I'm reminded of uh, ATSG and Mike Berger and his comments regarding the 6.7, but the same thing's happening in the, the medium-wide bodies. There's still some 6.7s to be converted, but uh, the feedstock's running out, and the A330 is in the ascendancy in that category, not dissimilar to the 5.7 size or the A321. So Airbus is in a very advantageous position um, in both those kind of categories of uh, aircraft. Well, there, there's, there's simply so much that happened um, at CargoFax Asia and so many conversations 
um, that happened during the sessions and outside of the sessions, I think everyone here would agree that um, leaving it, I, I'd give the deepest condolences to the folks who weren't in attendance. Uh, I can only imagine the terrible depths of FOMO, and I would offer, uh, FOMO being fear of missing out, um, and I'd offer as a condolence um, the first ever Cargo Facts LATAM, which will be coming to you May 15th through the 17th in Panama. More information on Cargo Facts events. Um, I, Jim, Guillermo, I want to thank you both for joining us today um, to help us summarize what truly was a, a wonderful event. I want to thank um, all of our guests and our, our speakers. Um, we really couldn't have done this all uh, without you. Um, that is all the time that we have for today. Um, for more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time.